Okay, guys, how are you? I know, I know, I'm a little bit late. It is Friday morning. Um, I am getting prepared for school, but I have already done your episode. It is up and ready. I will explain to you why I'm doing it on Friday morning and not last night um, in the beginning of the episode. But let me tell you, this episode is amazing. Sit down, make sure you are not doing anything at all. Sit down and really, really listen to this episode. It is, it has so much adventure. So many things are happening. Harriet is just amazing. She is amazing. Um, it actually um, is going to tell you a little bit about a capture that she did in detail. And I just cannot wait for you guys to hear this. So I am going to stop right here. I love you guys so much. Welcome to Black Tea. Get your tea prepared. Sit down on your couch, put your headphones in, put your feet up, and get ready to enjoy another episode of Harriet Tubman's book, Scenes of Harriet Tubman's Life. I love you guys, and enjoy. It is so, 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 so good. All right. Here we go. Hello, my little teacups, and welcome. I know it is Friday morning. I did not get to record last night, but it was because I went to my first football game for my college. I wanted to be there to support. I really wanted to go um, last semester, but I missed it and I wasn't really sure where the stadium was and I was just not, I don't know, it was pouring rain. I went to like the tailgate area and that's in a different part of the campus than the actual game and I was looking for it. I was in a different field. I was so confused so I never got to go. Um, and then I was going to go later on that semester, but I just never, um, got the chance cause I had just moved. Um, and I had like so much things going on. So, um, last night I went to the game, we won 49 to 10. Um, and I was really, really, really excited. Um, it was so much fun. It was so nice to be with like all the students there and just, making lots of noise. Um, I was trying to get it um, to download the sound of like everyone just having a good time just so that you guys could hear it. Um, but I know I can do it, but I need to do it with my other computer and I just don't have time this morning. Um, so I have class in about three hours, but I have to leave um, in about an hour. Um, just so that I can be there on time and then I'm going to work right after that. So um, I have a little time in the morning to be able to um, do the podcast for you this morning. Um, so I just finished up some homework that I had to get done. I finished it, but then I was like, you know how when you do a homework and then you're like on your way to a football game and you're like, wait a minute, I think it was 250 words per paragraph and I put 500 words all together, but one of the paragraphs has 265 and one of them have 235. And I'm pretty sure each paragraph has to have 250 or more. So I had more to say, but because I knew that I was okay um, with the uh, word count, I didn't put more. And then I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, but it's not due until tomorrow. So I got up this morning, I put in like three or four, uh, I think it was like one extra sentence, one or two extra sentences. And so now we're good. We're at 265 per 
paragraph. So we're all good. Um, so now let's get to it. We are doing this for educational purposes only. We are using the Fair Use Act so that everyone to, can get to know Harriet Tubman a little bit better. Um, and we just want to um, give out the information to our community and other communities so that um, we can get to know who Harriet Tubman really was. I already have um, the research for the next um, for the next um, uh, I can't say next episode because the next episode will probably still be Harriet Tubman because we have to finish up the book. But for the next story um, that I will be covering, I have already started the research on that. It's actually almost done. I plan on doing that tonight at work, finishing that up. And I went to my university's um, library because I there is a book that I really, really want that is for the third story after the next story um, that I've been trying to do for a while. But... I've been doing the research online and I've, although I've gotten a lot of information, one of the um, key information things that I got is a book that was written um, while these people were still alive. And so I just want to get, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to get that book. So I was going to buy the book. I was going to go on um, audio and buy the book. Um, I mean, Audible, I'm sorry, and buy the book or I was going to go and buy the book from like Amazon or something, but I've been so busy and I haven't been able, <clears throat> I was screaming last night, so my, uh, my voice is a little off, but, um, I was trying to see if I can buy the book off of Amazon, like what I was going to do and blah, blah, blah. And I just happened to stroll into my university's, um, library the other day and I started looking um on the library website to see if I could find this particular book and they have it so all I need to do is just order the book and then um I can have it for three weeks at a time so I'm not going to get it right this moment because if anybody else tries to get the book out then I won't be able to have it for more than the three weeks so I want to finish up this research and probably next week I'll pick up that book. I am so excited for that story because I know that you guys have not heard that story before because I know me personally, I have not heard that story. So anyway, without further ado, because I know you guys are like, hurry up. Like, we don't want to hear about your life right now. <laughs> like, we're trying to hear about what happened with Harry and Tubman. And it, I just want to tell you really quick that it's so funny. Um, during the week, I get a lot of listens. There's a lot of people that come in and listen and when it's time, when it's Thursday, just before Thursday, like on Wednesday night or um, Thursday morning, there are so many listens. And most of the time they are listens of another part of the podcast, just because I think you guys are like, oh my goodness, we're going to get it today. It's going to come today. Let me check. Okay. It's not here. Let me listen to last week's again. <laughs> So I just thank you guys for supporting me. Um, so we're going to get into it. We are on page 83. I am so excited. I cannot wait to finish this up. I don't know if we will finish today because like I said, I have not moved ahead. So I'm not sure if we have, um, if we have 
uh, you know, like how many pages we have. Because I feel like if I look ahead, then I'm going to be like, oh, what does that say? And then I'm going to start reading it and I won't be able to read it with you guys. So um, we had just finished up a part of um, Captain Brown, um, one of the guy's letters. Oh, my goodness. What was his name? Hold on. Let's go back and see his name real quick. Um, oh my goodness, how many pages is this letter? <laughs> I forget his name. He was talking about Mr. Brown. Okay. Um, Mr. Saborn is doing this letter. And we are on page 83 of this letter. I'm pretty sure. I checked it just before I got on. So now we have to go back to that page. But I am so excited. Okay. So we are on page 83. Last week we talked a lot about her life. He really kind of put her life in perspective for us. And showing that she had visions and all the things she did and how she grew up and all the things. So um, we are going to go into page 83. I feel like I'm on 84 because 83 is talking about the dream that she had that she could not interpret, remember? So I think we're I think we stopped on 83 and we're going into 84. That's what's going on. Um because this is talking about the dream that she had um, that she couldn't interpret and with uh, Captain Brown. And shortly after, um, she saw the heads um, of the snakes and all of that. Then um, within a couple of days, they put it in the paper that his sons had died. All right, so I'm going to start here. I don't remember reading this, so I'm going to start here, which I'm sure I've, I've already read it, but it's the last paragraph of 83. So here we go. Her last visit to Maryland uh, was made after this December in 1860, and in spite of her agita agitated condition, and in spite of the agitated condition of the country and the greater watchfulness of the slaveholders, she brought away seven fugitives, one of them an infant, which must be drugged with opium to keep it from crying on the way and so revealing the hiding place of the party. I remember that. Okay, so we're on 84. She brought these safely to New York, but there are new dif difficulties, but there a new difficulty met her. It was the mad winter of compromises when state after state and politician after politician went down on their knees to beg the South not to succeed. 
the hunting of fugitive slaves began again. Mr. Stewart went over to the side of compromise. He knew the history of this poor woman. He had given his enemies a hold on him by dealing with her. It was thought he would not scruple to betray her. The suspicion was an unworthy one, for though the secretary could betray a cause, he could not surely have put her enemies on the track of a woman who was thus in his power after such a career as hers had been. But so little confidence was then felt in Mr. Stewart by men who had voted for him and with him that they hurried Harriet off to Canada sorely against her will. Ah, She did not long remain there. The war broke out for which she had been long looking and she hastened to her New England friends to prepare for another expedition to Maryland to bring away the last of her family. Before she could start, however, the news came of the capture of Port Royal. Instantly, she conceived the idea of going there and working among her people on the island and the mainland. Many Money was given to her. A pass was secured, though the agency of Governor, of Governor Andrew, through the agency of Governor Andrew, and she went to, to um, Buford. There, she, was, she has made herself useful in many ways, has been employed as a spy by General Hunter, and finally has piloted Colonel Montgomery on his most successful expedition. We gave some notice of this fact last week. Since then, we have received the following letter dictated by her, from which it appears that she needs some contributions for her work. We trust we will receive them for none has better deserved it. She asks nothing for herself except that her wardrobe may be replenished, and even this she will probably share with the first needy person she meets. Wow, so I feel like this is a letter directly from Harriet Tubman. Buford, South Carolina, June 30th, 1863. Star, 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 quotes, Last fall, when the people here became very much alarmed for fear of an invitation from the rebels, all my clothes were packed and sent with others to Hilton Head and lost, and I have never been able to get any trace of them since. I was sick at the time and unable to look after them myself. I want among the rest a bloomer's dress made of some coarse, strong material to wear on expeditions. In our late expedition up the Camabe River and coming on board the boat, I was carrying two pigs for a poor sick woman who had a child to carry. And the order, double quick, was given. And I started to run 
stepped on my dress, it being rather long, and fell and tore it almost off so that when I got on board the boat, there was hardly anything left of it but shreds. I made up my mind then I would never wear a long dress on another expedition of the kind, but would have a bloomer as soon as I could get it. So please make this known to the ladies, if you will, for I expect to have use for it very soon, probably before they can get it to me. Wow. (laughs) I love that. I love that. She was helping someone with a pig to get onto the boat um, when she was in the expedition during the war, during the Civil War. She was setting fires to um, plantations and stuff. And it's funny because when I was um, doing the research to that and telling you guys that part of the story, it seemed that she was on the boat calling to them and that the soldiers were out on the boats getting them. But in this, it is saying that she was out in that water too. She was like, come on, let's go here. Let me grab your pig. Let's go. You got a baby to carry. Let's go. And she was there helping them get onto the boat and shredded her dress. So now she wants bloomers, which is pants, which is so cool. Okay, let's continue the letter. You have without doubt seen a full amount of the expedition I refer to. Don't you think we color people are entitled to some credit for that exploit under the lead of the braid of the brave Colonel Montgomery? We weakened the rebels somewhat on the Canby River by taking and bringing away 755 head of their most valuable livestock known up in your regions as contraband, which was the slaves. And this too, without the loss of a single life on our part, though we had good reason to believe that a number of rebels bit the dust. Of these 750 contrabands, nearly nearly or quite all the able-bodied men have joined the colored regiment here. I have now been absent two years almost and have just got letters from my friends in Auburn urging me to come home. My father and mother are old and in feeble health and need my care and attention. I hope the good people there will not allow them to suffer, and I do not believe they will. But I do not see how I am to leave at present the very important work to be done here. Among other duties which I have is that of looking after the hospital here for contrabands. Most of those coming from the mainland are very destitute, almost naked. I am trying to find places for those able to work and provide for them as best I can. So as to lighten the burden on the government as much as possible, while at the same time they learn to respect themselves by earning their own living. Remember me kindly to miss and then there's a blank so I don't know if they couldn't understand what she was saying but it says remember 
me very kindly to Mrs. Blank and, and her daughters. Also, if you will, to my Boston friends, Miss C, Miss H, and especially to Mr. and Mrs. George L. Stearns, to whom I am under great obligation for their many kindnesses. I shall be sure to come and see you all if I live to go north. If you write direct your letter to the care of C. In the spring of 18... Oh, so that's the end, I think. That's the end of the letter. But how how amazing is that? That she is telling of her perils on this ship and how she's still at war. She's in the Civil War. She's not getting paid any money. Her parents are not doing well. And she needs to go back to Canada to take care of them. Although she knows they're in good hands. But in the same token, she's like, I can't really leave right now because I'm trying to free these slaves. And she she freed 750, 750 slaves, which severely weakened um, the South and really helped with the war um, and the North winning. So she's asking, can you send me some bloomers? Like all this stuff that I did, I did all of these things. Now, can I have some bloomers and a little bit of money because like my parents are dying. Like that is crazy that everyone around her is getting paid. Nobody said, you know what? Let's all chip in together and give her something because she's not going to pay anything. Nobody gave her anything and she was still doing all of this and then going home to Canada working for a little bit and then coming back and freeing more slaves like that is absolutely crazy all right in the spring of 1860 Harriet Tubman was requested by Mr. Gerrit Smith to go to Boston to attend a large anti-slavery meeting on her way she stopped at Troy to visit a cousin and while there the colored people were one day startled with the intelligence that a fugitive slave by the name of Charles Nattle, or Nail, N-A-L-L-E, has been followed by his master, who was his younger brother and not one grain whiter than he. Wow! And that he was already in the hands of the officer and was to be taken back to the South. The instant Harriet heard the news, she started for the office of the, newer, the, of the U.S. commissioner, scattering the tidings as she went. An excited crowd were gathered about the office through which Harriet forced her way and rushed up the stairs to the door of the room where the fugitive was detained. A wagon was already waiting before the door to carry off the man, but the crowd was even then so great and in such a state of excitement that the officer did not dare to bring the man down. On the opposite side of the street stood the colored people watching, watching the window where they could see Harriet sunbonnet and feeling assured that so long as she stood there, the fugitive was still in the office. Time passed and time passed on and he did not appear. They've taken him, 
out another way depend on that said one of the colored people no replied others they stand there stands moses yet and as long as she is there he is safe harriet now seeing the necessity for a tremendous effort for his rescue sent out some little boy to cry fire <laughs> the bells rang the crowd increased till the whole street was a dense mass of people. Again and again, the officers came out to try to clear the stairs and make way to take their captive down. Others were driven down, but Harriet stood her ground. Her head bent down and her arms folded. Come, old woman, you must get out of this, said one of the officers. I must have the way cleared. If you can't get down alone, someone will help you. Harriet, still putting on a greater appearance of discrepitude, twitched away from him and kept her place. Officers were, were made to buy Charles from his master, who at first agreed to take $1,200 for him. But when they had subscribed, he immediately raised the price to 1500 the crowd grew more excited. A gentleman raised a window and called out $200 for his rescue, but not one cent to his master. This was responded to by a roar of satisfaction from the crowd below. At length, the officer appeared and announced to the crowd that if they, had, if they would open a lane to the wagon, they would promise to bring the man down the front way. The lane was open and the man was brought out, a tall, handsome, intelligent white man with his wrists mankled together, walking between the U.S. Marshal and another officer and behind him, his brother and, and his master. So like him, that one could hardly be told from the other. The moment they appeared, Harriet rose from her stooping position, threw up a window, and cried to her friends, Here he comes! Take him! And then darted down the stairs like a wildcat. <laughs> she seized one officer and pulled him down, then another, and tore him away from the man. And keeping her arms about the slaves, she cried to her friends, Drag us out! Drag him to the river! Drown him, but don't let them have him. They were knocked down together, and while down, she tore off her sunbonnet and tried and tied it on the head of the fugitive. When he rose, only his head could be seen, and amid the surging mass of people, the slave was no longer recognized, while the master appeared like the slave. Again and again, they were knocked down, the poor slave utterly helpless, with his mangled wrists streaming with blood. Harriet's outer clothes were torn from her, and even her stout shoes were all pulled from her feet, yet she never relinquished her hold of the man till she had dragged him to the river, where he had tumbled into a boat. Harriet... Following in the ferry 
to the other side. But the telegraph was ahead of them, and as soon as they landed, he was seized and hurried from her sight. After a time, some school children came hurrying along, and to her anxious inquiries, they answered, He's up in the house, in the third story. Harriet rushed up to the place. Some men were attempting to make their way up the stairs. The officers were firing down, and two men were laying on the stairs who had been shot. Over their bodies, our heroine rushed with the help of others, burst open the door of the room, dragged out the the fugitive who Harriet carried down the stairs in her arms. (laughs) A gentleman who was riding with her, a fine horse, stopped and asked what the disturbance meant. And on hearing the story, his, his sympathies seemed to be thoroughly aroused. He sprang from his wagon, calling out, That is a blood horse. Drive him till he drops. The poor man was hurried in. Some of his friends jumped in after him and drove at the most rapid rate to Schenectady. Oh my goodness. Like, I feel like I'm on a, like, I can see the whole thing. This is crazy. Oh my goodness. This is the story Harriet told to the writer. By some persons, it seemed too wonderful for belief and an attempt was made to collaborate it. Reverend Henry Fowler, who was at the time in Saratoga, Saratoga, kindly volunteered to go to Troy and ascertain the facts. His report was that He had had a long interview with Mr. Townsend, who acted during the trial as counsel for the slave, that he had given him a rich narrative, which he would write out the next week for for this little book. But before he was to begin his generous labor, and while engaging some kind of effort for the prisoner at Auburn, he was stricken down by the heat of the sun and is for a long time debarred from labor. Oh, wow. So he probably had like heat stroke or something. Uh, that's crazy. Oh my goodness. This is such a great story. Like, <laughs> I am so excited. All right, we are already on page 92. Hold on. I got to get it back so I can see it. Okay. All right. So this part is, um, we're on the middle of page 92 and it, it says in huge letters, fugitive slave rescue in Troy from the Troy wing, April 28th, 1859. So this is probably being that the other man got heat stroke or is now unable to labor, um, this is probably a document that is going to, excuse me, kind of concur what happened with this fugitive in Troy. Yesterday afternoon, the streets of the city and West Troy were made the scenes of unexplained excitement. For the first time since the passage of the Fugitive Slave Law, an attempt was made here to carry an 
carry its provisions into execution and the result was a terrible encounter between the officers, the prisoners' friends, the triumph of the mob law, and the final rescue of the fugitive. Our city was thrown into a grand state of turmoil, and for a time, every other topic was forgotten to give place to the new excitement. People did not think last evening to ask who was nominated at Charleston or whether the news of the Heenan or Sayer battle had arrived. Everything was merged into the fugitive slave case, of which it seems the end is not yet. All right, so let me explain this a little bit. So now I'm kind of understanding the story because like I understood what was going on, but I didn't understand why there was a crowd and why um, the colored people were across the street and Harriet was running out the window and they were saying fire and all of this. I was a little bit confused about that. So now I kind of understand. So this must have been right when the Fugitive Law Act had passed. So the Fugitive Law Act was basically... um, a lot of slaves were leaving the South. They were like, if we stay, we're going to die. If we leave, we're going to die. So let's just take the chance and leave. And a lot of them were making it to the North. So once they made it to the North, they were free. They were able to work. They were able to do whatever it is that they needed to do. But the South started getting upset because they're like, okay, so now as soon as they cross the border, they're fine. That's not fair. We need some sort of law so that if they make it into a free state, that they are hunted down and bought back because this is our money. This is what's helping us get, you know, this is our contraband. So basically that's what happened. They were made to, they were called contraband. And according to the Fugitive Law Act, the federal government had to hunt them down and bring them back to, um, to whoever the slave master was. So apparently this person that they caught was the first person in Troy and this was the first day of the law. And so all the white people were like, yes, we caught them. Yes. Okay. We're going to bring them back. Like, I'm so excited. And Harriet was like, oh, uh-uh, nope. Mm-mm. It's the first day of the law. I'm about to capture him. So all the white people were in front of the jail. They were in the jail. Harriet was upstairs, pushed past the people and went right up to his cell and was just standing there. And apparently they were like, you got to leave. Like, we're going to let him go, but you got to leave. And she was like, no. And as soon as they bought him down, she went fighting these people off, fighting the crowds, calling her people to come drag him, tied a different um, thing on him. So he looked disguised, took him across the river where he got captured again, <laughs> went to that house, got him out of there. So now... They're saying what, you know, this is, I guess, the official report of what happened. So Charles Naley is is the guy who was the fugitive. Charles Naley, the fugitive, who was the cause of this excitement, was a slave on a plant, plantation of B.W. Hanborough in Culpeper County, Virginia till the 19th of October, 1858, when he made his escape and went to live in Columbia, Pennsylvania. A wife and five children are residing there now. Not long since he came to Sand Lake in this county, 
and resided in the family of Mr. Crosby until about three weeks ago. Since that time, he has been employed as a coachman by Yuri Gilbert Esquire of this city. He is about 30 years of age, tall, quite light-complected, and good-looking. He is said to have been an excellent and faithful servant. At Sin Lake, we understand that Nally was often seen by one H.F. Avril, formerly connected with one of the papers of this city, who communicated with his reputed owner in Virginia and gave the information that led to a to a knowledge of the whereabouts of the fugitive. Avril wrote letters for him and thus obtained an acquaintance with his history. Mr. Hasbro sent on an agent, Henry J. Wall, by whom the necessary papers were got out to arrest the fugitive. Yesterday morning, around 11 o'clock, Charles Nattle was sent to procure some bread for the family by whom he was employed. He failed to return. At the baker, he was arrested by Deputy United States Marshal J.W. Holmes and immediately taken before the United States Commission, Miles Miles Beach. The son of Mr. Gilbert, thinking it strange that he did not come back, sent to the house of William Henry on Division Street, where he boarded and his whereabouts was discovered. The examination before Commissioner Beach was quite brief. The evidence of Avriel and the, and the agent was taken, and the commissioner decided to remain Nally to Virginia, to remand Nally to Virginia. The necessary papers were made out and given to the marshal. By this time, it was two o'clock, and the fact began to be noised abroad that there was a fugitive slave in Mr. Beach's office, corner of State and First Streets. I love that we have like the exact place where they were. People in knots of 10 or 12 collected near the entrance looking at Nally, who could be seen at the upper window. William Henry, a colored man, with whom now who Nally boarded um with whom Nally boarded like where he stayed at commenced talking from the curbside in a loud voice to the crowd he he uttered such sen- sentences as there is a fugitive slave in that office pretty soon you will see him come forth he is going to be taken down south and you will have the chance to see him He is to be taken to the depot to go to Virginia in the first train. Keep watch of those stairs and you will have a sight. A number of women kept shouting, crying, and by loud appeals excited, the colored persons assembled. 
So basically what was happening is they took him into custody and now they're shouting out the window, yo, he about to be let go. Y'all going to be able to see a slave going back down south. Like make sure that y'all stay here basically is what was happening. And they were like, oh, that's what's up. And then the, the black people were like, yo, did you hear that one of our people is in jail and they about to send him back down south? And they started telling each other and everybody's like, yo, we got to get down there. Like we got to help this dude because we can't have him going back down to the south. And so that's basically what's happening at this point. Let me just see. Hold on. Um, still, the crowd grew in number. Wagons halted in front of the locality and were soon piled with spectators. An alarm of fire was sounded, and that was from Harriet. Um, and those carriages dashed through the ranks of men and women and boys, but they closed but they closed again and kept looking with expectant eyes at the window where the Negro was visible. Meanwhile, angry discussions commenced. Some persons agitated a rescue and others favored law and order. Mr. Brockway, a lawyer, had his coat torn for expressing his sentiments and other mealies kept the interest alive. All at once, there was a wild holler and every eye was turned up to see the legs and part of the body of the prisoner protruding from the second story window. I had to see how much time we have. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, from the second story window. Hold on. William Henry, a covered, a colored man with from Nally, from which whom Nally boarded, commenced, hold on, commenced talking from the curbstone in a loud voice to the crowd. He uttered the sentence as, there is a fugitive slave in that office. Pretty soon you will see him come forth. We already said that. Okay. Still the crowd, the crowd grew in numbers. Um, okay, sorry, you guys. All right, so you saw the legs and part of the body of the prisoner protruding from the second story window and window at which he was endeavoring to escape. Then rose a shout, then rose a shout, drop him, catch him, hurry! <laughs> but the attempt was a fruitless one for somebody in the office pulled Nally back again amid the shouts of hundreds of pairs of lungs. The crowd at this time numbered nearly a thousand persons. Many of them were black and a good share of them were of the female sex. All right, girls. They blocked up the State Street and First Street of the alley and kept surging to and fro. And then... This is where we're going to stop. I got to keep you guys coming back. We are on page 96. We are starting with Martin I. Townsend. We are on page 96, guys. Oh, my goodness. I know. I know. I know. I know. I want to hear the rest, too. But I have to start getting ready for school. I cannot. This is. Oh, my God. This is so amazing. 
This is so amazing. Wait, let me just make sure of the page again. We are on 96. We're on page 96 and we're starting with Martin. So this is so crazy because they really went and got this man and they were not afraid. And the thing that cracks me up is with the way that the world is right now, that the, the people who rescued this man was, were mostly women, were mostly women, okay? We were like, listen, we are not letting this man go back down to the South. Y'all could think y'all gonna bring him back, but that's not gonna happen. So I am so excited to read the rest of this. I am so, so, so excited. I'm so excited about the book that I'm gonna get. I'm excited for the next story that you guys are going to hear. I am just, I am so proud of this podcast. I am so proud of my listeners. I am so glad that you guys come back every single week. I am so happy that I can make history really come alive for you guys. I know that the beginning of this podcast started off kind of slow, but it was interesting And we got a lot of things talked about and we got a lot of like in-depth things. And as it has gone along, I feel like information comes to me through so many different ways and so many different things. I have so many stories to tell you guys, but obviously I don't have a lot of time to get all the stories out. Um, But I just want to thank you guys so much for joining me every single week for waiting for these stories, um, for hearing more about your heritage. Please tell a friend, tell someone of my community, tell Latino people, tell people of color all around, because right now a lot of our history is being suppressed. A lot of people do not know this history. People don't even know that there's a a book that Harriet Tubman was a part of, that she wrote a book, even though she was illiterate, and could not write. You know what I'm saying? So please spread this podcast to other people. I am also promoting it on TikTok and on um, on Instagram. I'm not a great, great promoter, but I, my listeners are still coming in. We have a lot of lit- listeners. We are almost at a thousand listens, guys. We are almost at a thousand listens. So I am going to stop here because I am running out of time. But we are going to start next week on page 96 and we're going to find out what happened with the slave, what exactly happened. Um, I am so amazed at Harriet Tubman and how brave she was and how she went over people's bodies to break down the door to get this man when people were shooting, got him, picked him up. This tall guy picked him up and brought him down the stairs. <laughs> like, it is crazy. And of course, it seems unbelievable. But this woman also dragged logs. She was super, super strong. She stayed up all night as a kid and all day. And I just, I'm just so enamored with her. I love her so much. I am actually thinking of painting her on my jean jacket um, and putting putting some of the things that she has done. So... We are going to end here. Thank you so much for joining Black Tea. If you want to see me more, you can go to TikTok at Miss Loveheart. Um, you can go to Black Tea underscore Miss Loveheart on Instagram. This is um, brought to you through the Fair Use Law 
where we are using this just for educational purposes only. There is no money being taken um, for this podcast. This podcast has no advertisements or anything like that. Um, I cannot wait until next week. I am so, so, so excited. There are times that I'm just like, I should just read it and do the episode now so I can know what happened. (laughs) But I try to wait until Thursday so it could be live. Um, But I am so, so, so excited. And I will see you guys next week when we start on page 96. All right. Love you. Have a great day, evening or night.